Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, I wanted to get back to what I was talking about today. And this is in relation to uh, education. And I was talking about the fact that when I was young, I think in my class, only one kid went to college. And that was a class of 44 kids. There were big classes, okay, in those days. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. But anyway, 44 kids, one kid went to college. Because firstly, we couldn't afford it. We didn't have the grand system that we have nowadays. Secondly, there was no need for it. And thirdly, it was expected of you when you finished school that you went to work. Now, all of those people in my, from my era and right up to kind of the mid to late 80s when college started to become more popular, all have, most have good jobs. Um, a lot of them are very qualified. A lot have been hugely successful and they made and created the world around us. So where's the difference? Nowadays, there's almost this insistence that your parents encourage you to go to college. You must go to college. College has become a currency to get a good job, which shouldn't really be the case. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can get a good job without college. You can, you know, go work in a job and learn how to do the skill, or you can get an apprenticeship, or you can get, um, you know, do a trainee or be a trainee in a job. There are lots, like, for example, radio is probably one of the best examples I can give you. I mean, you take, I mean, Helena went to college. Um, and after her second or third year, I think she came here. She learned how to be a producer on radio by working here uh, with Mike Hogan at the time, who'd been a producer before that for me and in another radio station with me as well, or well, not with me, but somebody else at one point as well. And that's generally Ashling, exactly the same thing. She came here, that's how she learned to do the job, by coming here, not generally by being in college. I could tell you that Ashling would probably verify she learned more here in probably two or three weeks than she learned in college in a year. I'll actually get her to answer that herself. Hold on a second. I feel like I have to say yes now that she's said No, that. you don't have to say yes. No, I mean... No, like, don't get me wrong. I learned a lot of things in college. I got my piece of paper, the main thing I wanted to get. I wanted to get my degree. So that was, that was the thing for me in my own head. But I have to say, even when, like, throughout college, I was in here, you know, every Wednesday night, I was, you know, Helena was helping Intern, me. yeah, as an intern. Intern, and yeah. And I learned so much within two weeks of being in here that I could ever learn in college. Like, there's only so much, I suppose, theoretical stuff you can, you can hear in college when you don't have the practicality follow behind it so when you come into a base like this into the real world into the real world like especially media and I think the thing is media is, a, is, is totally different than any other industry I don't think so I oh, think, it, is, I, I think no, it really is I think you could learn like if I wanted to be an accountant 50 years ago I didn't go to college to be an accountant what I did was I went and I worked in an accountant's office of and learned, sat beside an accountant and learned the trade. Yeah, but like that, not everyone can be an accountant. Like I could never be an accountant because I I'm, I struggle putting two and two together. Do you know when it comes to numbers, I'm atrocious. So I don't think everyone can be an accountant. They have I've to have noticed a- that actually when you put on my screen, Audrey line one or line two and she's actually on the opposite line. Yeah, but sorry, Audrey, I'll be with you in a second. <laughs> oh, <shots laughs> fired there, Boylan. Um, but yeah, so I could never be an accountant. That was never my plan. I would have always worked in something that, something to do with people. I would that would have always been my thing. And I think to be an accountant, I do think you have to go to college at some sort to learn the basics. Okay, right? so you believe you have to. Well, see, but you're young, you're not, you're new school. You're not old school. I'm not old school, you're right. Yeah, now. so you you know nothing more. I mean, that's all you know. And I don't mean that in, in a Oh, 100%. Like way. I said to you, a lot of my friends are going on to do masters and all. So they have loads of things coming out of their name so they can, in order to kind of climb up the corporate ladder as they say but and do you really need all those letters after your name to well, get you a good job in nowadays? a lot of places you do yeah that's I think a, in technology all... companies they look for that and maybe we've created this environment whereby companies are demanding these letters after your name whereas years ago the only thing that companies demanded was a leaving cert or an intercert yeah but I, I think you know you need to look especially now in this day and age unfortunately what we're going to see down the line now in the few months time is there's going to be like a lot of jobs are going to be lost there's going to be a lot of people looking for work yeah they expect well, 22 to 28 percent unemployment yeah yeah, and like that's the grim reality that we're facing. And you know, if I was a college prospect coming out of that, I'd go, oh god, like I'm not, I'm not only up against, you know, ten people for a job. I'm up against nearly fifty people for a job now. And in order to get ahead of that, how do you differentiate yourself? 
you know, fair enough, when you get the interview, you can show yourself and, you know, people can go, look, she's bang on, I like her. But to differentiate, different, what's that word? Differentiate. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you need to be able to have the master's, the PhD, to show, look, yeah, let's give it to her. Let's give her an interview. All right, okay. All right, we'll stay there for a second. Um, or no, well, not, not you. You're not a caller. Sorry, I thought you were a caller there for a second. Um, thank you very much indeed, Ashley. Audrey, you're on Classic Kids. Hi, Niall. How are you? Audrey, I mean, do you think this whole idea of kids being just expected to go to college, many of them don't even want to go. They want to go and get a job in the big world. Is there too much expectation of them to go to college when there's probably another route to getting a job anyway? It depends on the circumstances. For, for kids that are just leaving school, I think that some of them want it, some of them don't. But the ones that do go at that age of 17, 18, if you look at the statistics, most of them drop out because it's not what they wanted or they're not interested in it or it's not what they expected. And the ones that are dedicated to stay there usually don't even work in the industry that they are studied for. Yeah, I've so, heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, th- I, I don't think if it was my son... I wouldn't put any pressure on him to do college after school because the beauty of it nowadays is it's called lifelong learning. So if you want to go to college when you're 50, it's there for you. If you want to go to college when you're 30, it's there for you. There's, there's no needs other than if you want... It's not even about earning big money. If you go to college and get a degree and come out at 21, 22, you still start off at the bottom of the pay scale. I don't care what anybody says. Of course you do. You do. Yeah, you, like, when you start off as a post-grad so, or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? So you, you don't... In the position that you're in, you're still you're still working your way up. It's the employers that are looking for the letters after your name. So if you want to go and be a social worker, you know, and work for the likes of Tusley, you you need that degree. You c- you couldn't possibly. But here's but here's the thing: in. you didn't need that degree years ago. I mean, you went to Tusley, or well, it would have been Tusley in those days. Uh, it would have been uh, the health service in those days. But you went to, the, to Tusley, and you you basically started working there. They would send you then off on courses to learn this or learn that or the other. There you go. It's courses, so they would pay for your education. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So Whereas that was the way it used the to be done. Responsibility now. They want you to be fully trained before you rock up there, so they don't have to pay anything towards your education. But isn't there a huge amount of pressure nowadays on kids? So they're they're in they're doing their leaving cert. It gets to about you know June or whatever, and then the mother and father are going right. Where are you going to go to college? And you're going. Well, maybe they don't want to go to college. But that's that's ridiculous because God, like I remember at that age, I was there was loads of talk of all this stuff and the amount of pressure that you have to decide what you want to be for the rest of your life. And the reality is that life happens over time. Experience teaches you. Words don't teach. Experience teaches you. So you get out there and experience life. You decide what you want to do as you go. If you're lucky enough to know what you want to do from early and you stay in it, you know, that's, that's great. But that's really a low number of people that do that. Yeah. They don't really experience much life. And, and the amount that's of why kids. Colleges, but, no, that's why colleges want mature students because they want people with life experience being brought onto the course and having their perspective there because it's much more valuable than ch- like kids coming in with it. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, I believe the, the arts, by the way, the, the courses for the arts, are the ones that are the most dropped out of. And the reason for that is because they're generally kids, not, I'm not saying all of them, but they're generally kids yeah, who have yeah. no idea what they want to do. Yeah, so they just exactly. go, oh, I'll do the arts. Exactly. You know, and they drop out. Engineering bad, engineering bad. has a high rate of dropout. There's a lot of courses that have high rates of dropout. Yeah, they do. They do. And that's because they don't know what they want to do. And they get in there and they enjoy the social life in there. And, it's, you know, it's, it's there in some way, like social, like that with the college life. But when it comes to career-wise, sure, like, it, it, they just, they don't know till they get out and experience it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, do you think people need college? I mean, I know people who are yeah. hugely successful and they've never been to college in their lives. But that was a different time now. Like, what you're saying is... But it's not, it's day. now. I mean, I know people now in business, you know, who are running radio stations, who are presenters but on they television. Began, they began years ago now. I mean, I never so went to... I went, never went to college years. for media. I never went to college for media. So you have years and years of experience. Like, for me personally, I'm trying to get into that industry of speaking to, to Helena on the phone. And I was looking in the route in the last six months, is it necessary to go to college for broadcasting and media? And it kind of... No, I tell you what, if I was hiring somebody, and we have interviewed on many occasions for many different jobs that have arisen on the radio station here, and if I was hiring somebody in media, I would personally be much more prepared to hire somebody who's had experience. personality. Oh, and a personality, yeah. And somebody with a bit of get up and go, that somebody has a load of numbers or letters beside their name. Yeah, but yeah, but that's the thing. Even if you have the get up and go and you have the life experience, you have all that, you still 
they're not really in what worth a shot behind behind that their no, numbers. That's, that's, letters, no, that's you know not I mean? the way radio I can tell you now, because I've worked in almost every radio in this city, right? And across I've worked in one or two across the country, but mainly in, in Dublin. I've worked in radio, local radio in Dublin, right? And I get I've worked in ninety eight, I've worked in FM one oh four, I've worked in uh, Dublin's Country Mix, uh, done a property show, I've done all sorts of things, right? Yeah. And I can tell you now that generally speaking, radio stations are looking for people with experience. They're not looking for people with degrees and masters and all sorts of carry on. So how do you get the experience without the qualifications? Because you know how you get the experience? Quite simply. Offer, and if for any, this is advice for anybody who want to work in radio. And by the way, I would advise you if you're going to work and you want to work in radio, the industry is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, as is television as well in this country. Media is declining. The industry is yeah, getting smaller. So it's getting more difficult. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's ever going to disappear. But obviously, technology has made yeah. the industry smaller because technology yeah. takes a lot of jobs. But I would advise people, if you want to get a job in media, ring your local radio station and say, I'll come in and make the tea every day. I've done it. I've done it now. I've done it and I've been redirected to courses that you need to do this, this and this and then come back to us. And that's a voluntary radio station. That's a community voluntary radio but, but station. But both Helena and Ashling, I mean, Helena obviously being the executive producer, Ashling being the producer of the show here, Mike Hogan, all of those people all started the very same way, including me, by going and working for free. All start, not college degrees. Yeah, I had no interest in the now. college so degrees they I'm had. I'm telling you, in my own personal experience, right, right uh, as of now, I've done what you're suggesting to do, and I've been told that no problem, volunteer work, blah, 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 but once you arrive here with A, B, and C qualifications. Now, not a full degree, but you have to complete certain qualifications to get there. I've n- well, I, well, I, the bloody tea. Well, I have never come across that situation in all the radio have, stations I've worked in. I'm saying, uh, they all look for not. experience. But how did you get the experience with it? By going in and making them tea. Yeah, they're, they're, they're this. And I don't mean literally. I don't mean I don't literally mean making the tea, by the way, but you understand what I'm saying. No, so so I, I mean so Ashling and Alina, for example, and I hate to keep using them as an example, they started here say when Mike was the they producer went to of the Ballyfermit. show. Ballyfermit College, they did you? Yeah. But but they, they weren't hired because they had or they were doing a degree in Ballyfermot College. They were hired because they wanted to make the tea, essentially, if that's the way you want to put it, okay? So, so basically they, they came in. To, do the, to get the work. The donkey work. The in, get the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, so they come in and just answer the phone. And well, and, and then you move from that to do another to stuff. It's still not. It's, today, as of today, I don't know when they came in, maybe three years ago, two years ago. But as of today, I've tried three different places and the same thing. I have to complete certain courses mm. to get in the door. Okay. Okay, well, I, so, I, that's, and that's that's not a word of lie, honest to God. Because if we could find an easier way, I would. Well, then you know I'm just I mean? well, I'm just glad I'm not trying to get into radio now. Then because <laughs> that'd be doomed. And there's loads of like, and it was funny because you were speaking about accountancy. Like I did a year of accounts technician. I'm working in accounts at the moment, um, and like that to be an accountant, there's no way to be a full fully qualified like an accountant. You could possibly do that without. But people did years ago. People did years ago. They went and worked in an accountancy office, as you said, making the tea, and then sitting beside an accountant and learning their trade. That's the way people learn most trades going back, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah, that was 40 or 50 years ago. So over time, things have evolved, things have developed. People have realised that things work better with people with qualifications, and that's what's happened. Yeah, but we've also lost the ability to, you know, for kids to do, you know, apprenticeships, for example. We don't seem to see as many apprenticeships nowadays for mechanics and plumbers and electricians. Well, do me a favour, actually, stay there, because I want to come to Neve in a second. Sorry, Neve, I'm going to have to ask you to wait because I have to go for a break before the top of the air. Keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Uh, numbers 87 Or if you want to give us a call, you can. 1850-410-494. Neve, you're on Classic Kids. How are you, Neve? Hi, Noel. How are you? How are you? Good. All right, everything everything go well with the return to school? I know you were worried, a bit of a wobble every now and again, but... I was great leaving it in, and then I had a wobble in the car. And I'm Why? Okay Why did you have a wobble? It just, it was, it just, it was just that moment of, he's gone, he's back in school. After okay, six can months. I reassure I'll you? Because I want to make you feel better, because I'll be honest with you, right? I did hear you on the other fellow show. Good afternoon, mm. and welcome to the Lloyd Line. <laughs> I, I was driving home, Neve, and I heard you, and I heard you very concerned, and I know you were concerned in relation to it, okay? Your child has asthma, and that was your concern, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, and but I did feel better because I had dealt with the principal after that, so I, I was okay. I was grounded. Okay. okay, now I'm going to come back to the other topic in a second. Sorry, Andrea, I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, okay? Okay, do you know, I'm just curious, do you know what type of asthma your child has? Because some people actually don't even know. Is it allergic or non-allergic asthma? It is um, bronchial and allergic. He so, has uh, he has allergies 
to okay. certain things. And okay. also, he has, da- he has lung damage okay. from when he was a baby. One in 13 children have asthma, okay? They mm. say roughly, that's what, it's about 7%. One in 13 children have asthma. The majority of them have what they call allergic asthma, which is they're allergic. So when they get dust, pollen, all those kind of things, it brings on their asthma. And asthma, by the way, is no fun. I can absolutely, you know, I know people who have asthma. It's no fun when you, when you can have an, uh, an asthma attack and literally feel like you're going to die unless you get a breath of air. And I can imagine what that could be like. And it'd be very concerning for a parent. Mm. But in relation to COVID-19, right, and this is what your concern was, is he more at risk or less at risk or whatever than anybody else in the class? And I looked this up a while ago because somebody else mentioned it to me. And I wanted to read this to you. This is from the Asthma Society, all right? There's evidence to suggest that breaking down the data by asthma subtype uh, could reveal different risk levels. A recent study, this is one conducted by public health researchers at Harvard University, analysed two asthma subtypes, allergic asthma and non-allergic asthma, as separate risk factors. The two disorders induce similar symptoms, but are set off by different triggers. Allergic asthma obviously flares up by exposure to allergens like pollen or mould, while non-allergic asthma is exasperated by exercise, stress or cold weather. The population-based study, based on a study of 492,000 people with asthma, registered in the UK through Biobank, found that non-allergic asthma significantly heightened the likelihood of severe COVID-19. That's if indeed they got it. That's non-allergic. While allergic asthma did not and showed no difference with people who didn't have asthma. In other words, there was absolutely no higher risk of people who didn't have asthma to those who had what they call allergic asthma. So if your child has allergic asthma, the chances are your child is not at more risk than anybody else of catching it, of dying from it. And I'd hate to say that word because it's a horrible word and it makes us all kind of shudder a little bit. Okay, so the chances are extremely slim, Neve. And when you look at the figures across Europe for eight of the major European countries and America, 137 million children, that's up to the age of 19 years of age, 61 of them have died. Do you really think you'd be unfortunate enough that that would be your child? No, I mean, I don't. So, this, I, I'm, so what I'm saying is, try, I'm try, and by the way, I gave you all that information because I want to try and calm you down because I know you're nervous as hell. Uh, to be honest, I was, and I was a lot worse about a week and a half ago. I'm much better now. I've put my big girl pants on and I've stopped listening to shit. Now, by the way, that, that doesn't I take away the risk of your child just having asthma, obviously being a, a high risk of, you know, having respiratory problems because they have asthma. Obviously, that's something you have to monitor yourself. And you've always had to do that anyway. Yeah. And to be honest, the school has been amazing. And Good. that's what calmed, that's what calmed me down. It was, I was, I was, I, I became a media junkie. I was, do, I was, getting myself hyped up. I'm sorry, I didn't have a bloody asthma attack and I don't have asthma. <laughs> okay. You know, I got myself too hyped up. I got myself too involved in all the shit that was being fed. And I'm not even talking about the media. I'm talking about all the so-called experts that we have now. Mm, yeah. Listening to them. And then I made one phone call to somebody that actually knows what he's talking about, the principal of the school. Yeah, of course. And they sorted out, uh, you know, a plan with them. And he's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Once you feel better about it, Neve, that's all that I care about. All right. Okay. I feel better now. Thank you. All right. Okay. Okay. And and you can look up that research yourself, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's up there. It's available. It was done in Harvard University in America, and basically they said that children with allergic asthma were not at risk to COVID nineteen, or when I say not at risk, not at risk than any more any other child. Yeah. Now, if you have the non-allergic type of asthma, that can, of course, have complications if you catch COVID-19 because, obviously, that's to do with your body itself, you know, and stress and everything else. Mm. Okay, and your respiratory system. So, getting back to the topic at hand, Neve, um, where was I? What was, what, what was the topic? Oh, yeah, it was about education, of course. I mean, does it matter if you go to college or not? Do you think we put too much emphasis on college nowadays? I wish it didn't matter, but it does. And I really wish it didn't because... You could get two people going for the same job. One of them has a degree, the other one doesn't. The one with the degree could have the personality of a plank. Mm -hmm. The one who doesn't have the degree could be fantastic, but they won't even get an interview. Because you can't apply for a job when it says the minimum requirements are a degree. But but have we created this world where... In my day, a job would advertise and it would say minimum leaving cert, four passes, three fails, whatever, where we've now created a society where jobs are demanding these letters, these degrees, because they know kids are going to college and colleges, you know, points have become currency now. I don't think it's, I don't think it's even kids. I mean, I went to college a long time ago, like when they were still writing with quills. <laughs> and now I would give 
anything to get back into what I trained for. I, I, I give my right arm for it. But when I even, like Andrea said, when I even go and say, I'll work for free. No, it's grand. Cause we well, that was Audrey, yeah, that was on a few minutes ago. Sorry, yeah. Audrey, sorry. Yeah. I have a 17-year-old that can do that. You know, uh, it's just impossible. And I would love it. And I know it's... And nice. what would you... If, I mean, if somebody said to you at the moment, you can have any job you want, what job do you think you'd enjoy? I'd like to go back to what I was doing. I'd, I'd, I'd love your job, to be honest. <laughs> right. I, actually, no, I wouldn't like okay, your well job. Then, uh, I don't have a thick enough skin. Well, well, no, hang, on, well, hang on, hang on for a second. Okay, you want my job. That's fine. Okay, Neve. the next caller is Andrea. Far away. Off you go. Hi, yeah. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> Welcome to Classic Kids. Thank you. So, um, the topic this evening is about education, higher education. Do you feel that it's something that we're putting too much emphasis on? Are we putting too much pressure on our young people these days? Could we do it better? Yes, I think we are putting a lot of pressure on kids nowadays. Not even nowadays, but when I was in secondary school, um, I said to your producer there, I'm in college now. I went back to college last year and I'm in my 30s. Um, When I was 18 and I finished my leaving cert, I hadn't got a clue what I wanted to do. And I was under a lot of pressure for my parents to go to college because my older brother and sister had, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, mm. you know, I could have just went into an arts degree and then came out, not that there's anything wrong with an arts degree, but, and just came out and been like, okay, what do I do now? Where, and I felt, when I didn't go to college, but when I felt like I just got a job, I kind of felt like I kind of was the black sheep of the family. Mm. You know, like, because my mum and dad were like, oh, well, you know, my sister's doing this and my brother's doing that. Oh, and I just work. And if, do you feel if you had had maybe an extra four years, maybe go yeah. out into the world, work, get some experience 100%. together, try loads of jobs, 100%. and then get the option to go to college? I don't think it's right that you're forcing a 17-year-old to make a decision that's going to shape their whole life. Absolutely. Like, They're not no even adults. Sorry? You're not even an adult. You can't no, vote. Like you can't I, but make is, a decision. It has taken me 16 years to realise what I wanted to do in college. Like, I, in the past five years, like, since I had my kids, I realized, okay, the job I'm in, although I did work my way up really high, I was like, this isn't set in stone. I could lose my job tomorrow, and then I have to start from the bottom up. Like, and I was looking at jobs that would have had similar salary to what I was on, and they were all looking for degrees. And I was like, right, I need to figure something out. So I did a few courses in the area that I was interested in, and I realized, like, I did part-time courses. I did, I started off in a level five, and then I started off, in a, and then I went on to do a level six part-time. And while I was doing my level six, I realized, okay, I want to do this full-time. I want to just get my degree. And, ha- like, I think it was less than a year into my level six part-time. I applied for uh, the college I'm in now, and I got it. And it's the best thing I've ever done. I feel like mm-hmm. I've... I've now, it sounds stupid, but I feel like I'm now contri- contributing to my family in a better way so that when I finish college in three years, I'm going to have my degree because everywhere is looking for degrees. Like, as Noah said, we have the pressure that has been put on students to go to college has conditioned what people are looking for, employers are looking for now. Mm. Because 10, 15 years ago, you were told you have to go to college to get a degree or employers won't hire you. And now employers will not hire you without a degree. Okay, do me a favour, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, presenter, um, Neve. Um, just <laughs> tell Andrea, Andrea, the, just stay there for a second, tell Andrea to hold and go to Michael. Can you just hold on there one second? We're just going to go to Michael? That's fine. Hi, Michael, welcome to Classic Kids. How are you, Neve? How's things? Hi. Not too bad. You heard Andrea there. You know, she's, she's a mum. She's in her 30s. You know, employers don't seem to take into consideration that, as a mum, she could probably run any corporation. She's been doing it. You know, do you think that there's too much pressure being put on people to have letters after their name instead of practical experience? I would definitely think that, because my own trajectory was I left school halfway through fifth year, and I got an apprenticeship in engineering. So completed, completed the apprenticeship out, got fairly good trade. Now, when I left school, I was a cheeky little so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And the first company I went working in, there were a few guys in there. They were good and rough. And they knocked me into line. And they also taught me respect. And they taught me respect for the trade. 
and they also taught me a good trade. So I was able to put that trade in my pocket, and then I emigrated overseas before the um, boom here. Uh, had brilliant jobs overseas, had me pick a jobs, had guys in employment agencies telling me, we could get jobs for 10 lads with your training and qualifications because we're not training guys with diverse qualifications anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked for build, building oil refineries, biggest crane oil company in the world, travel the world, Saudi Arabia, Alaska, Venezuela, you name it. And um, yeah, ended up coming back here then on family circumstances and got working here for a company that did work in the entertainment sphere and ended up building every big stage that came into Crow Park or Viva Stadium since 2012. Oh. Do you think that things are different now? You said about how when you started on your trade, you had guys there that knocked the corners off you and licked you into shape. Do you think there's many people in and around the age of 17 and 18 that would, I'm not using the word tolerate, but wouldn't walk out and say, oh no, that's too hard. This guy shouted at me today. No, I actually think they thrive in the environment because of sort of the way the lads did it. Right. Almost. You know, there was a great uh, sense of camaraderie and everything in the place I was working. And I'd have actually been ashamed to walk out because it meant it was nearly like when you see Hell Week on the telly and the recruiter is giving the boys stick. And it's just pure determination. You're going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the pleasure of me walking out of here nearly. Mm. You know, and, and, do you um, think our, our teenagers these days, though, would have that, that steely spirit that you had? Because no, I, have, I, I have one, and I, I can tell you, I don't think she would. You'd be surprised. I think we underestimate them. And I think one of the biggest problems with a lot of the teenagers I see walking around these is, is they're not actually really stimulated. Like, when I was in school... I was doing applied maths, and I was, yeah, hello, table, stuff it, triangle forces, not interested. When I went into trade school, and the guy who was teaching us engineering math said, right, this is a load table. Now, you need to know this if you want to balance a load you're lifting. This is a triangle of forces. This is how you calculate what size steel you need to use if you're making a roof truss. All of a sudden, I was, this is relevant. Right. By the way, just can we all give Neve a big round of applause there? Because I, I think Neve did an excellent job there for the last fifteen minutes. Um, that was uh, <laughs> it was a bit nerve wracking, wasn't Neve? Yeah. It was a little bit. I got into it though. Well, then, well, this is, see now, isn't this exactly what Michael was saying? I'll say this to yourself and Andrea as well. That when you were thrown in, quite, didn't prepare that quite literally at the deep end. You had to think really quick. So. When you're in a job, and this is what I say, when you're put into a job and into that position, and I said this about Ashling and about Alina earlier on, you learn more than you would ever learn in college. And I don't know why we can't go back to that again. And that goes across the board. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, computer software, the tech companies, everything. We seem, Michael, we seem to avoid that now. We seem to avoid encouraging children to get straight into it. I think we do. And maybe it's that we don't want to see them grow up, so we want to keep them in school. Mm-hmm. I don't know, do you know? But um, yeah. I do think there's way too much emphasis put on a college degree in, as opposed to actually going out there, rolling your sleeves up, getting your hands dirty. And, and, and apart from and anything else, you could get your hands dirty, as Andrea rightly pointed out, for two years, and you might like the job that you thought you were going to like if you, if you go straight into college and do a degree in engineering, and then you decide three years later, actually, I don't particularly like engineering, I want to work in radio. I mean, Andrea, that's the point you were making, that maybe you're not mature yeah. enough. You've all, you have the rest of your well, life to do that if you want to. Well, my, my sister's an example of that. Like, her job, she went to school and she did a degree, and she's absolutely fantastic at her job. She has a master's in it now, but she doesn't like her job. So she, she hates it. it. Yeah, she hates her job, but she does it because that's what her degree is in. Whereas what I'm doing is I actually love what I'm doing in college. Like, I can't wait to finish and go out and actually work. There's nothing in. worse, by the way, than being in a job that you don't like. And I, I had that for 10 years. I had, The only thing that kept me... Now, I love the people I work with, but when you peak in a job and you're not going to go any further, you're kind of like, okay, I need to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, if like what Neve was saying, if you get the kids to go out and maybe work for a couple of years, It'll give them a better work ethic as well. So when they do go to college, they'll appreciate it more. They'll know, okay, I need to do this. Whereas, you know, I've noticed when in my job I was a manager, and I noticed a lot of young people, and it was my part-time job now, I'm also a manager. I know a lot of the young people 
they don't really have that work, work ethic. They're kind of like, oh, I'm just doing Yeah, I, just, see, like, here's the thing, and Michael kind of, mm-hmm. maybe Michael didn't allude to it, but I think Neve was kind of, kind of hitting that point. The millennials of today. Um, uh, Michael, do you think, and I'll ask you this, Steve, too, do you think they're kind of spoiled that in the old day when you went in and you didn't do the job right, the manager would say, you bleed, need you. What are you up to? Will you take that off the floor there, you tick? Whereas nowadays, a manager can't speak to you like that. You'd have them up before HR before you know it. So are we missing that, that we're not teaching children properly? We're kind of wrapping them up in cotton wool. They get triggered very quickly. I mean, is that a problem, Michael, first I'll ask you? I think it is. And I think part of the reason with that is that when they're in college, they're used to always coming to the magic money tree, mammy or daddy. But from when I was 17, I was used to getting a wage packet every Friday. As I was when so, I was 17, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Do you know. So if the lads I were working with, the manager or whatever, if they gave me a rollicking over something, I knew I could walk out the door. But I wouldn't get my wage packet on a Friday evening, so I wouldn't be able to go to the pub on a Saturday night or, you know, insure me bike or yeah. get petrol for the bike or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. It's almost, it's almost kind of like we're delaying and sending them into the big bad world. I think Nevis said that as well. Neve, you reckon we may be delaying it a little bit, trying to keep them in education, kind of keep them wrapped up in cotton wool, and maybe they are a bit spoiled, Neve, are they? I think so. I think it's a case that, you know, as parents, we can fall down a bit as well, where they come to us and say, oh, Billy the boss was mean to me today, and then we ring Billy the boss and give Billy the boss a wallet. Yeah. But, Really, what we should be saying to them is, if you've got a problem with Billy, you go and you tell Billy you've got yeah, a problem a big with him. Boy if, now, you, yeah. Yeah. if you genuinely think you were in the right, stick up for yourself. If you're in the wrong, take it. Yeah, I mean, you, you, have to stop, you do have to stop fighting your kids' battles when they're 18. You know, it's because they are adults. It's not up to you anymore. You know, because I remember my own son when he, after he was eighteen years of age, and he'd say to me, "You know, oh, will you ring Aircom from there for me, or whoever it is for his phone?" They're at the charge me this. I'm going ring them yourself. You're over eighteen. You know what I mean? Deal with your own problems. You have to learn to deal with situations, and you have to learn to stand up for yourself. So if a boss is being an arsehole, you know you have to learn to stand up and say, "Oh, shut your mouth," or whatever. But you don't go running off crying. You know. I think kids nowadays, I think we overprotect them. From a very young age, from the age of 13 and 14, we don't let anybody insult them. Like, I'll give you an example. There was a guy on here three years ago. He was a troll, clearly, right? He was an arsehole. But he was on the show. And we were talking about people being called names and mental health problems. And it's something very serious. And he came on. And initially, I thought when I hung up on him that he was just being a plonker. But what he said when I thought into it a bit deeper made a lot of sense. Now, Please don't think I'm taking what he said seriously, right? But I'm trying to give you an example. But he said, we should take all the children who are big, all the children with glasses, all the children who are this, all the children. He said, and put them in a room and just have somebody call them names. And I, and I kind of got pissed off. And I said, don't be so stupid. And I hung up on him. But afterwards, I understood the point he was trying to make, badly, mind you, that maybe kids are just not used to somebody having a go with them because we protect them so much, maybe, Andre. Would that be the case? The kids are just not used to being in the big bad world. I just want to clarify, I fall in the class of millennium, that word. Um, just, You're a millennial. But, but I'm not. Are you so, triggered? Do you get triggered really quickly? I do not. See, that's the thing is, like, I'm in that category and I look at people, like, younger. I'm I'm older than them, if you get me. I'm just, there's two categories of them. Um, and I look at some of them and I, I kind of, you know, look, do be a bit ashamed to be put in that category because I have a work ethic. I've worked on, like, uh, you know... I'm the type, again, I stand up for myself. I don't, you know, let anybody bully me. If I do something wrong, I take it. And the chin, you know, I've done it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think, like, I'm seeing kids come in to work and they are definitely being mammy coddled. Like, you know, we've had, I've had a, a staff member's mom ring in when they were sick and they're 20 and you're like, hold on, why is your mammy ringing for you? <laughs> like, wait, wait, why am I, why am Neve I won't be in today, she's not feeling well. Yeah, like, <laughs> she's 42! <laughs> I wish I was. And like I, I have two kids, and like me and my partner, we're we're of the opinion like you have parents nowadays saying to their kids, "You can be anything you want to be." You can't. You you can be what you want to be, but you have to work hard at it. You can't be. You can't just get what you want. You have to go out and you have to get that and work for it. And kids, most kids nowadays aren't being taught that. They're just being told, "You go out there and you you can just get it." That's not the way it is. You have to work hard for it. 
And you'll never be fired. Because don't, don't worry, we'll take a case against the company. Let me just go to Barry. Barry here on Classic Kids. Barry, I, you know, I have to say, I really like what Michael was saying about, you know, the old days and you kind of have to just get out there and learn the trade. I mean, is that the way it... Oh, sorry, Barry, I just didn't switch you on there. Is that the way it should be? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can, yeah. Yeah, okay. I tell you what happened with me, right? My text when I went in, right? I was... Hang on, there's an echo there now. Well, go on, you're okay, go on. We can hear you, all right, go on. Okay, I was about 15 years of age. I'm 50 now, right? Mm-hmm. And I was cycling out one day, and I went into Black Rock Castle. Do you know it? I do, yeah. Yeah, and I went in there, and I said, any summer jobs? And I started cleaning the toilets, and ever since, I ended up, 10, year, 10 or 15 years later, I ended up being assistant manager. Oh, right. Well done well done you to know, you. I, I never thought it would happen to me. So you started off cleaning the jacks, and now, you, and now jacks, you're the assistant manager. After 21st and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say that was a pleasant job, but somebody has to no, do it. But I didn't care, and it was £50 a week, just like what you said today earlier on. Yeah, yeah. Now, it was 1982. Yeah, but that's what I... In 1982, I was working in a record shop on fifteen pound, or £50 a week. Yeah. And I give my mother £25. Yeah. And I went up and up and up and up and up and up. I was there for 12 years. But then things went downhill with the economy and all that. Yeah. You know, and the castle closed down for about six years. So what do you do now? Are you working there now, Barry? Oh, no, no, it's gone. No, it's good. I mean, that's a long time ago. You okay, know? yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember if Black Rock Castle said. I do remember Black Rock I Castle. I coming down the, 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 the motorway there, the dual carriageway. Yeah. So, what, what, so, what, so are you working now, or what's the story with you? Oh, I am, yeah. I'm still working now, but I'm varnishing floors now. I've gone out to the catering. But, is, is, but is, see, isn't this the thing, right? People like Barry, who didn't go to college, he lost his job, obviously, because the place closed down through the hard times. Now he's varnishing floors. So the point is, Neve, he's adaptable. Whereas I find that most kids nowadays are not adaptable. And, like, if they lose their jobs, they won't go out and find work or make work for themselves. They wait for somebody else to give it to them nine to five. Do you understand what I'm it's saying? It's totally different. I mean, that just reminded me what Barry just said there. I remember when I was 17, my mother said to me, go out and get yourself a summer job. Walk down to the local shopping centre. I came home with a job. Yeah. And it was washing dishes in a cafe working for a German woman who was horrible but I stuck it out because at the end of the summer my mother said to me if you make enough money we'll go over to your auntie in England and that to me was the highlight of yeah. everything yeah, yeah. I made 72 pounds and we went yeah and I was delighted with myself and and then I worked through college and, and everything that went with it but nowadays they apply online and they sit and wait for the phone to ring. There, I keep saying to my one here, you know, just, if you yeah, send take, in a print CV off a load of CVs and just go. Or if you've sent a CV in somewhere, walk in two yeah. days later and say, I sent in a CV. I was just wondering, had yeah. you a chance to look at it? Any yet? Opportunity because to they'll going, remember yeah. your face. Yeah. They don't remember a nameless name on a piece of paper. Oh, no, they I, remember I, I tell this to my kids and I tell them, you know, you print off a load of CVs, literally go and ask Good for night. the manager and hand it them. Yeah, sorry, Michael, yeah. Oh, Barry. Barry here. Yeah, Barry, go ahead. When I, when the castle closed down, okay? Yeah. I got the best references. I worked in the Midland Park Hotel. It stood to me then. What was the name of the other hotel, did you say? The Midland Park? The Midland Park Hotel, your advertiser. I oh, oh boy, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I, knew, I knew I heard the name before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but right, can I ask Michael as well? Michael, what year did you say you started uh, in the engineering? About the same as yourself, Nile. It was 1982 when I was getting £40 a week. And I spent the first six been the going race. <laughs> washing engines right. outside through the winter. <laughs> right, and I'm assuming you're not on £42 a week now. I mean, I in engineering, you can make quite a substantial amount of money now. Well, I probably make more than most lads out there with degrees. Yeah. And I know, I know guys, you know, who didn't go to college, and girls, by the way, who didn't go to college, and are extremely successful now, and earning, you know, I mean, these, I know people on over 100000 a year. You know, with their own businesses, maybe electricians who have their own companies now, contract companies. I know one guy who puts in alarm systems that he started off very basic. You know, he didn't really have college degrees hanging out of his, you know what, put in alarm systems. Now he's doing it on a mass scale, big in big offices, putting in CCTV and alarms, and he is making a lot of money. 
So, I mean, you can make money without having degrees. But is that because it was before? Like, No, he's not that old. He's not that old. He's only in his 30s. But now, like, the the places that I've applied to, literally, as you said, to, to work for free. But you don't, you know, you know if you want to be a computer programmer, you don't have to have degrees. I know the likes of, say, Salesforce and all the big tech companies will require a degree for you to get in. So that's fine. Open your own company. People don't seem to have the ability nowadays. Well, some do, but a lot of people don't have the ability to be entrepreneurs. I'll open up my own company. I'll set up my own website, you know, ba- making apps for people or whatever. Open up your own company. And then you don't need degrees. You're the employer. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I so it's, it's thinking outside the box. I know that's a bit cliche. Sorry, Michael. No, I'm just going to say I'd agree with you completely because I have doorstepped people yeah. to get jobs. And usually, I would say, I'll come, I'll do a day. If at the end of the day you're happy with me, I have a job and you pay me for the day. If at the end of the day or at any stage during the day you decide, no, this level's full of it, I'll pack up my tools and I'll go. And I've yet to be in a situation where I went in and was sacked in the middle of the day. Yeah, thankfully, uh, touch wood, I've never been sacked from a job in my life. Yeah, so, you know, it was just, I think, it's true what, uh, I think it was Neve was saying that a lot of stuff now, it's online, it's HR has been eviscerated, it's all done now with algorithms. Yeah. So, it's mm. a check and see, oh, no degree, no box tick, boom, CV goes in the bin. But and your CV, by the way, your CV is that that's what will get you a job, in a lot of cases, yeah. a good CV. If you've got, and, I, and I don't mean having lots of qualifications on it. A well-written CD, a CD that's relevant to the job. There's nothing worse than you're advertising a job, say, as we'll talk about radio, and you're advertising a job, say, for a presenter or a producer or whatever for a show, and somebody sends in a CV saying they work in a hairdresser's, and they have all this. That's completely irrelevant, and that's not going to go get you anywhere. So you need to point out in your CV, forget about your hairdressing, that you have a huge interest in radio, and talk about that aspect of it. Otherwise, the person reading the CV is not interested in you. And people just have this habit of maybe giving out generic CVs. You know, it wouldn't take you long to customise a CV for every single job you apply for. It wouldn't take you long to do it. Nowadays, we might get off word. Well, one of the most disheartening things is when you, you know, because everything's gone online and, you know, the job I was doing went with COVID. And now I'm, you know, looking for other things, anything, really. Radio. At this stage. Yes, please. Your job. But <laughs> um, not even getting the dignity of somebody even just saying, thank you, we got your email. Yeah, I know. You know it's very disheartening, isn't it? To 60 applications last week, right? And I don't know, you know, without sounding like I'm playing a violin, I don't know whether it's my age going against me or what it is, but nothing's coming back. And do, you put your not, age, do you put your date of birth on the CV? Yeah. You shouldn't. You're supposed to? No. Should you? No. I'll well, take it off, so. I wouldn't. You don't put your date of birth, you don't put your marital status. No. Oh, no, don't do that. things you don't put, yeah. No. And I'll take that off, The one thing I would... And, and another advice for people, by the way, thinking about looking for a job, be very careful what's on your social media. Because oh, yeah. I can tell you now, most employers or most people who are potentially looking for somebody um, will look at the person's social media to see what type of person they are. You know? Do you think if you... No, sorry, I'm, I'm asking advice here now. But do you think that if you... Say you were looking at me for a job and mm. you looked at my social media and you saw that my page was private. Would that put you off? No. Because I, I do that purposely because I just don't want no. people to see No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't put me off at all. But if so I looked at your, you if I looked at your page anything. and I seen that you were, you know, I don't know. Political. Highly political. Well, no, not highly political. That's okay if you're coming into a job like this. Probably It's probably, probably all right. Uh, but it depends on what you're saying. If you look That's like you're the kind yeah. of triggered type person. Mm. I, I wouldn't be interested. So, but some other employers might be. You know what I mean? I don't know. But it's, so, mm. it's, it, it, like I'm, what I'm saying is, it's important what's on your social media if people mm. have access to it because they can make their mind up about what you're like before they even get to interview you. So it is important. Mm. You know, I mean, if people look at my social media and I was going for a job, they'd probably just think I'm a head case and not give me one. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, I mean, my social media tells an awful lot about me, but unfortunately, my social media is because of this show. So it can be quite angry by times. But listen, I have to wrap it up. Thank you very much indeed. Listen, Andrea, Michael, Neve, and Barry, thank you. Barry, best of luck, and I hope you I hope your varnishing goes well for you and you make lots of money. Uh, well, listen, you know what? You smooth my mind every night by the way you 
break out your speech. Uh, thanks very much indeed, Barry. By the way, Michael, just uh, finally on that, thank you, Neve. Uh, Michael, finally, oops, lots of people texting in, I should give Neve some money for appearances, for a, as a guest appearance on the show. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I'm very reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael, just in relation to your engineering and you're saying you're putting in stages and obviously you, you know, you're doing uh, rigging and stuff like that now. Yeah. I mean, well, that business must be doomed at the moment, is it? Oh, it's, it's on its ass, but um, luckily uh, the travelling was too much because I'm caring for an elderly relative here as well. So oh, I right, okay, of, okay. I kind of got out of it just before it collapsed, but oh, it's 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 dead in the water, and like we were used. To, yeah, I, I'm a bit obsessed with it because when I go to gigs, I, I love the whole you know aspect of the rigging. I'm always looking at the rigging and how it's Look set up. up. You know, and and how it's done. I'm always saying to myself, what would happen if something fell down? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm surprised that when you see, say, ELO on tour, which had a, they had a wonderful rig right here in the in the free arena. And I know the first time they came over, there was a problem with the rig. It wouldn't fit. And that's why they had to delay their concerts uh, for three or four months or something like that. But, but dude, I mean, considering they're popping that rigging up and the following night they're playing in Belfast, say, for example, mm-hmm. is it really that safe that you have rigging that's kind of up and down on a nightly basis, like serious oh, rigging. It's it's a hundred percent because all the lifting points are on a five to one ratio. So if there's a hundred kilos hanging out of it, the lifting point will take five hundred. Okay, so it has um, to overcompensate essentially. Oh, it's it's engineered to within an inch of its life. Okay, so it's 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 once it goes in right. It's but they, but isn't this the whole thing that you've got roadies? Uh, I don't know whether they're still called roadies now. You call them engineers these days. But you've got roadies who are maybe knackered, tired, a little bit of party in the night before. Maybe I don't know. And you know, would they push that pin in properly? You know what I mean? Uh, always, because you would actually be surprised. But there is actually very little partying goes on among the crew that actually does that type of work. Because we realise, like there have been events. There was. A rigger fell out of the roof in a theatre in Glasgow because he wasn't clipped on. He, we all wear harnesses and we clip on when we're up there. And he landed on a guy on the ground. He killed a guy on the ground. Oh, no. And he's badly broken up. There was an Adele concert where a rigging chain came loose from the ceiling and came down and hit a member in the audience. A lamp fell on Bruce Springsteen years ago. But 99% of the time, we don't party. Yeah. We party during the winter. And so what was your job? You were putting the stage together, essentially. Well, I, I started driving a forks for them, but I had uh, working on height certificates and all that, so yeah. I ended up, up up in the rafters doing the rigging as well. And, and would you I'd be still, up there for the gig then? No, we'd be we'd be up there, like, we'd say we'd come in around six or seven in the morning, Yeah, and we'd prep out, do all the marking out. Then the trucks would start arriving, the unloaders would unload them. We'll be up in the up in the rafters, and we'll rig the points up there. Then we're usually gone by about eleven or twelve o'clock. Then the sound check comes in, blah de blah de blah, blah. All that stuff happens. And the stuff that you see coming on the truck, say, and I go back to say ELO again because they're a great stage show, right? So they might have yeah. four trucks. Do yeah. they have all the staging, the sound, everything with them, or do they rent that locally and it's put in? Or it all comes with the crew, like Bruce Springsteen had twenty-two trucks. Oh Jesus! Yeah. You know, like a stage for Robbie Williams could have 20, 25 trucks. I mean, there's more steel in these stages than I've seen in most buildings in this town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, some it's, of the some of the stage setups are incredible. The best one I've seen from a stage setup point of view was in the Aviva, going back a few years ago, which was Roger Waters' The Wall. Done it. It was incredible. Yeah, there was bits that dropped out and everything, like sitting rooms and all sorts. That's right, the sitting rooms yeah. were up because the wall was being bu- yeah. built in front of the sitting room. And the wall was polystyrene, obviously, and they knocked the wall down at the end. So cardboard even boxes. Huh, sorry? Cardboard boxes. Oh, there were cardboard boxes, yeah. <laughs> which were painted to look like a wall. But the projection, I don't know how many projectors they had, but it must have been like 30 or 40 projectors projecting this onto this. The wall was the width of the Aviva Stadium. Yeah, that was an incredible, well, more credit to you, by the way, if you were involved in that, because that was did, an incredible did, rig. Did you see Beyonce? I didn't, no. I would, I would, I, well, I, Ashley just said to me, or she did, I'd have to be dragged to see Beyonce. But. <laughs> uh, well, in fairness, I had, like, because we can get in and see the gig. Okay. Beyonce was one of the ones where nobody did, we were all sitting outside. But it was a 60-foot high rotating steel cube that was a video wall on the Beyonce rig. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing was the size of a block flat and it rotated slowly. And that came on the back of trucks. We put it together, and it got dismantled, and it got sent off again to the next... The next gig, for the next night. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, mean, you're you're obviously under time pressure as well. 
there's obviously a format of some description that says, listen, lads, this all has to be down in two hours. We're leaving uh, the boats in four hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, again, we would know that. But, again, it's so well... Planned. And what they have... Maybe I'm wrong in thinking that, say, you know, these big bands like the Roger Waters, which would have big rigs, would they have two sets of gear? So they're playing in Dublin tonight and maybe Berlin the next night. So they would have another set of gear going up in Berlin and then the set from here then goes to, say, France for the, the night after. Do they have two sets or just the one? They do. They'll have two and sometimes they might even have three if there isn't enough space between... The gigs. The gigs. Right, okay. Now, usually when they come to Ireland, we'll say something that hits the uh, O2, <laughs> I'm going to give them the old names, Yeah. and the SSE up in Belfast, that would be the same gig. They're murder because we go to Belfast, we'll be in for six in the morning, we'll build it, we'll get a few hours off in the afternoon, evening, we'll come back in at 11 o'clock, we'll drop it, we'll get into the cars, we'll follow it to the O2, to the point, mm. we'll be in the next morning for seven o'clock, we'll put it in, we'll hang around for the day, we'll come in that night at 11 o'clock, and we'll drop it all in, and then we go home. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard work. It is, and you see, is it good? Is it, is it good pay, Michael? Is it? I mean, I don't know how much you get, yes. but is it worth yes. it? Like, yes, it is. It is. It's well worth it. They do look after us well. That's. And do you ever get to meet the celebs? Occasionally, you would, but not officially. Mm. But some of them would actually, they wouldn't really come out of their way to meet you. But if you were walking down a path and they were walking down the same path, they wouldn't avoid you. Yeah, and you'd be surprised who the nice ones are. And who the pigs are. Right, okay. Who are the pigs? Mm, give us I one. I not say. <laughs> <laughs> give us, give us one who is, le- okay, de- who is less than friendly. Um, where can we see? Madge. Rihanna. Rihanna fired a lad because he wasn't able to keep a stage dry in the wet. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I went to the, the slain gig. I mentioned this the other night, actually, to Madonna. And it was raining and she delayed the gig by like three hours because she wouldn't come out in the rain. There was no support act, so people were getting very boisterous and pissed off. The guards were getting pissed off because the gig was obviously running late, and which was going to be a huge problem for Slane. Eventually, she came out about nine o'clock. She was supposed to be due on stage at half seven or eight, came out about nine or ten o'clock. And she had a bouncer standing beside her with an umbrella yeah. for the whole gig. And it wasn't yeah. pissing. It was just drizzly. Like It was Ireland. Well, mad. Yeah. Mad, mad. But funnily enough, one of the, the one of the nicest guys I ever met was Tom Jones. He's an absolute. I would imagine gentleman. he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a gentleman. Right. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised by Madge, by the way, because a lot of people have said that about her. She's quite difficult to work with. Uh, but oh, look, yeah. thanks. It's been interesting talking to you, Michael, and a very interesting job. Uh, no listen, thanks very much indeed. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, look, uh, we went off on a tangent there. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.